This is Dan, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. All right, well, this is my first um, podcast episode back with you all. Um, In August, my wife had our baby, have been taking time off to adjust to life with a newborn and it's been really exciting and cool Um, and I'll talk and share a little bit more later on but as we dive into Advent um, I'm approaching it a little bit different this year. Um, Jesus is beginning to work on things in me and I'm seeing ways that I've treated um, God like a vending machine if I can just be honest and start that way. I used to tell people uh, when I was in uh, formal churches working with as a children's pastor, I would tell kids like, God's not a candy machine. You can't just put in two coins and expect a Snickers to fall out. Where sometimes we approach God and we're praying and we're like, all right, well, I did the thing. So you should, you should hold up your end of the bargain. And I began to realize over the last three months and kind of even the last year, Um, But really the last three months, how I've continued to treat God like a candy machine. And I've expected him to show up and work in ways that that I wanted and that would make life easier for me. And that's not what he's done. Um, He's kind of begun to shift my perspective on how he works and how things um, are going to be or supposed to be. So that's been interesting um, because as you like dive in to Christmas, um, we hear these great stories about the shepherds meeting Jesus and the angels appearing and um, Jesus showing up who's the son of God and God in human form. And that's exciting and amazing and wonderful. And we love that. But I want today to invite us to a longer period of history in our faith, a longer period of Jewish history, where God was silent and God wasn't acting, God wasn't moving. I mean, you could argue he was still moving, but for people, he felt silent. And even longer than that, like they were waiting and it had been promised, someone is coming, someone is coming. Someone is coming. And so as um, we dive into the series, as we start with um, Christmas and Advent this year, we're going to focus each week on a different carol or a different Christmas hymn and pull messages and stories and ideas out of these hymns. And today I want to start with the... um, him, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm going to read a couple verses and then we'll talk. Um, O come, O come, Emmanuel, 
and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. O come, thou rod of Jesse free, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer, our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall be born to thee, O Israel. Amen. So, as I think through that story, I hear this theme of longing and anticipation that uh, someone is coming. And if you think about the Israelites in their story, their Um, God creates the world, and Adam and Eve are the two people in the Jewish story and um, that he starts humanity with. And so they set up and they start a family, and then their two boys, like Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel, and then the family, um, like, disperses, and then they have another one, and, like, things just get into turmoil, and all of a sudden there's a flood, and then um, after the flood, then we get into... Uh, Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and Abraham would have come first, but like Abraham and then um, there's famine and we have Jacob and Joseph in Egypt and then the Jews and the Hebrews end up in Egypt and they're living there for 400 years or so or um, then God rescues them, but they're living there in slavery. And so then God rescues them and they set out to go start their own country. And then they go to a country and, uh, then they don't follow God and then they get Kings and they don't follow God. And it's just like this pattern over and over of God inviting his people into a story and saying like, I'm going to send someone and they can't wait. So they try to take it into their own hands and fix it. And then they find that makes more of a mess. And so then they're in Israel, they get kings, and those kings lead them astray. And then other countries come in and invade because this is what humanity has done for all of human history. We've gone to war and fight with each other, and so they invade. And um, they get taken captive to Assyria and to Babylon and to Persia. And um, then they get sent home, and then the Romans come, and they take over. And there's this whole time frame where Israel is in captivity. And this song is written to those people. It's not from that time. It would have been from like um, the Middle Ages. And so probably in AD 1400, 1300 as a Gregorian chant. Um, but it's written kind of to this, to these people that... We're in captivity. And you see it right here in the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Ransom, pay the price, um, set free is the idea there. A captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. The story of God's people is the story of a people on exile waiting for somebody to show up. And as I read this 
Christmas hymn over and over, I get that feeling and expectation of someone is coming, someone is coming. And if you think about it, so you are an Israelite living in captivity in Babylon, and you keep hearing the story, someone is coming, someone is coming, someone is coming. And you don't know when, you just get this promise that God's going to move, he's going to rescue his people, someone is coming. And you're told to believe and to be faithful and to trust, and you don't see it in your lifetime. Because there's a period in the Bible that scholars typically um, say the 400 years of silence where the Old Testament, there's those books that we have, and then the New Testament starts where it's, we don't really have any books. There are other writings that happen, the Maccabees, and there's other stories out there. Excuse me. There's other stories out there, but it's this idea of silence, that God is silent, and yet he's working in it. And the people are crying out, someone is coming. Oh God, send someone, ransom us, set us free, disperse the gloomy clouds. Um, We need you, like we need you to come and fix all of this. He doesn't show up, and he doesn't show up, and he doesn't show up. And then a new um, regime or a new oppressor comes in, the Romans, and they're oppressing the Jewish people. And someone, you know, it's this expect someone is coming. The Messiah, the promised one is coming. He's going to fix all this. And the people kept saying, oh, he's going to show up. It's going to be like a king. And you read scripture and you read stories. You read from Isaiah um, in Isaiah chapter 9, where God is telling people in Isaiah, God is telling um, King Ahaz and the Jewish people what he's going to do with them. And he's giving judgment out. And he's saying, you have been unfaithful to me, so you're going to be taken over by the Assyrians and you're going to get sent away and there will be weeping and mourning, but I won't forget you. There will be a remnant. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will all be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So whenever you read the um, prophets and you're reading in the Old Testament, there's this whole storyline that's leading and saying someone is coming, someone is coming. And we, in 2022, look back and go, oh, well, it was Jesus. But at the time, they didn't know. 
And you read that and you hear, oh, well, the government will be on his shoulders. There'll be peace. He will be a king and it'll all be fixed. And you think, okay, so he's going to come in. It's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be magnificent. And he's going to end all of our problems. And it'll be good for me. And then Jesus shows up. And he shows up in a quiet manger in an unexpected little town. And he's the one that was coming. And he doesn't tell the powerful. He tells the shepherds who are outcasts. He shows up to an unmarried woman. And the angels announce it to shepherds and to people who hadn't heard. And wise men who aren't a part of the God of the family or God's family are told early on. And the one who was coming has now come. And he's come to set people free. And he, but he did it in a way they weren't expecting. See, earlier I told you I have been learning and God's been adjusting my perspective. Um, because our daughter, um, who was born, it feels weird to start telling stories about her. Um, because I had been waiting. And I remember while we were waiting for her to be born, it was like, okay, like, we went 10 days overdue. It's like, some she's coming. She has to come. She has to come. And it felt like she was never going to come. And then she was finally here. And I, I cried when I saw her for the first time. I thought, that's a child. She's here. And she didn't come how I expected. She didn't come when I expected. But she arrived. It was like, cool. It's going to be great now. And then as she's been growing and developing, um, she's had some troubles feeding. And she chokes. Um, and, like, when I say chokes, she um, goes silent and starts turning blue. And we've had to do the baby Heimlich maneuver on her. Um, and she's three months old. And that terrified me. And there was a couple of weeks where it was really, really bad and she wasn't eating well. And I remember turning to my wife and I just had said, I'm praying to God and asking him to fix this. And he's not doing anything. It seems that he doesn't care. And Brooke took that and listened and just let me be with it. And then we were talking about it and we had friends that were in town visiting and, you know, I brought this up in conversation because it was like, I'm just going to share how I'm feeling and I'm frustrated and I'm mad and I'm angry at Jesus. And it's like, you know, um, she's arrived and you say you care about her and you're not doing anything. And they pointed out to me, they're like, Daniel, we are here on one of the hardest weeks that you've had with her because she wasn't eating. We were syringe feeding her. And we're here to help. Like they were making food, they were cleaning, and we appreciate them so much. And um, I, I was stopped because I realized during that week, and I've been thinking about it more, I've been approaching God still like a vending machine. I said my prayers, I came praying about my daughter, and I expected God to fix it so that my life would be easier. But as I watch her grow up, she's enjoying her life. Yeah, she has a hard time feeding sometimes. But she loves being outside and going on walks and looking at trees and 
when I step into the world and look at it as she sees it, I see a, a world that is good and full of life. And I see um, that she has two parents who love her. And I see that um, she finds joy in waking up and seeing her faces. And that gives me hope. Because I'm beginning to see that God is working on me through her. And God is reminding me that he is coming. And one day he will make it right. And one day my daughter won't choke. And one day people won't get sick. And there won't be pain. And that may not be today, but it doesn't mean we stop crying out. Because even if God feels silent, he's still at work. And I'm watching that with her. And as I see the world from her perspective, I begin to build excitement again. Where I was feeling captive, or I was feeling depressed and sad and frustrated and angry and mourning, lonely, in exile. Or feeling like I'm in the depths of hell because my child is struggling and I'm having to do the Heimlich maneuver on her. And now I'm beginning to see he's coming, he has come, and he will come again. See, this pair, this um, Christmas carol is based out of Isaiah. It's not based on one specific um, passage, but you can get the themes of it, that feeling of someone is coming. And then at the end of Isaiah, I want to read this to you. At the end of Isaiah 65, 17, it says this, Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old, old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation, and look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people, and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. It goes on, then, no longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruits of their own vineyards. And it keeps going and describing this wonderful picture of a world that is whole and that God is working towards. And when I look around and I look at my daughter's eyes, I begin to see this world that God is creating and I'm invited into it. Because Jesus is coming back. He has come and he is coming back. And as I get frustrated and cry out, come God, come Lord Jesus, come. He says, I have, I'm inviting you to be a part of it as well. So let me read this carol to you one more time. And as you listen to it, reflect. Um, where maybe you can reflect personally, where do you feel captive? Where do you feel um, like you're in the depths of hell? And maybe you do, or you feel like there's gloomy clouds or um, reflect on that. Be honest, share with God. <clears throat> But then also spend time looking around and seeing, okay, where is God at work? Where is he rescuing me? Where is he opening the heaven, our heavenly home and making way? Where is he ending Satan's tyranny and giving us victory 
because it's there. If I'm learning, it's there. It's not all hopeless because we have a Savior who took on human form, stepped into our world, and showed us a new way to be human and said, I will come back again. I will make a new heaven and new earth. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall be born to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse free, thine owns from Satan tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law and cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall be born for thee, O Israel. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week as we open up our Christmas carols Advent series with this really thoughtful reflection and lament opportunity from Dan Norton, our neighborhood pastor in Gilbert, Arizona. I wanted to take just a brief moment before we wrapped up this episode to lament together as a community um, in response to the recent Club Q shooting in Colorado Springs. Like many others, I am devastated by this attack and this hate crime that resulted in the loss of five lives. And as we together begin our season of Advent in the Holy District community, I invite you uh, along with me to remember the names of the victims of the Club Q shooting as we cry out to Jesus, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Raymond Green Vance, Kelly Loving, Daniel Aston, Derek Rump, Ashley Pogue. Jesus, we thank you for these image bearers that you created. We mourn the loss of their lives. God, we pray for their loved ones and for everyone who was there at the club. 
when the shooting occurred. God, we pray that you would comfort them and be with them in this time of deep pain. Jesus, we do pray that you would make good on your promise to make all things new. Amen.